Who doesn't love a good stir fry? They are fairly quick, can be delicious, and are straightforward to put together. I mean, the cooking instructions are the name of the dish. How can it go wrong? Well, it can go wrong in lots of ways, actually. The vegetables can become soggy, liquid can pool in the bottom of the wok, causing everything to steam and boil rather than stir fry. The flavors can be bland, the sauce can be too thin or too thick, the meat can be tough, there can be too much or too little of certain ingredients. All of these things are preventable. All of them. Today we're going to look at the principles of stir frying. We're going to break down the process from start to finish. And the goal is that at the end of this you can approach stir frying with a new confidence. You won't have to worry about any of those problems that I just mentioned because you'll know exactly how to prevent them from ever happening. The first thing we'll do is look at ratios of ingredients. How much meat to vegetables or uh, to rice or noodles. Also when the ingredients should be added. We'll look at the best cooking oils for the job and how much we should use. From there we'll look at maintaining the heat of the wok and why that's important. Also why we should use a wok and how to properly use it. Finally we'll talk briefly about sauces flavorings and troubleshooting. Let's get into it. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food in 5, brought to you by howtonotburnshit.com, and this is Mastering the Stir Fry. Ratios of Ingredients There are three main stir fry ratios that will help us get an even amount of each ingredient in every bite. For a stir fry that is just meat and vegetables, we want a ratio of 1 to 1 or 2 to 1. The 2 to 1 can go either way depending on your preference for the dish, meaning you can either have more vegetables or more meat. That's up to you. Meat and vegetable stir fry. A beef and broccoli stir fry should have a ratio of about 1 to 1, so one part vegetable to one part meat. However, a sweet and sour pork stir fry will likely have a ratio of 2 to 1 meat to vegetables. On the flip side of this, a shrimp and vegetable stir fry may have the same 2 to 1 ratio but with more vegetables than shrimp. The way I usually break it down is like this. If there is a secondary vegetable dish, then I go with a 2 to 1 meat to vegetable ratio. If there isn't another vegetable dish, I go 1 to 1. And if there is another meat dish, I typically will go 2 to 1 vegetables to meat. For your standard everyday stir fry uh, that will be served alone over rice, a 1 to 1 ratio is what you want ratio. Within the 1 to 1 ratio there is a lot of room to play on the vegetable side. What I mean is that there is typically only one kind of meat in a stir fry but often multiple types of vegetables. Let's say you have one pound of beef and you want one pound of vegetables to balance that out. The one pound of vegetables could be purely broccoli, it could be one third each broccoli, carrot, and onion, or it could be half broccoli and a quarter each carrot and onion doesn't really matter as long as the total amount of vegetables equals the total amount of meat. 1 to 1 to 1. There is a third ratio to keep in mind. This comes into play when we introduce rice or noodles directly into the stir fry. This ratio is 1 to 1 to 1. We generally want around equal parts meat, vegetables, and rice or noodles. That will give us the best mix of everything. Of course, if we want to stretch the stir-fry out a bit more, we can up the amount of rice or noodles slightly. Vegetarian stir-fry ratios. I think it should be pretty obvious to say that if we have a stir-fry that is purely vegetables, we don't have to worry about ratios at all. For a vegetable and rice or noodle stir-fry, a ratio of 1 to 1 is fine. If we introduce tofu, we follow the same ratios we would for a stir-fry with meat, subbing the meat out for the tofu. 
When we add our ingredients into our stir fry is just as important as what ingredients we are adding. If we add certain ingredients too soon or too low, late, excuse me, it may throw off the cooking times of other ingredients and ruin the whole cooking rhythm. So let's take a look at when we add what to our stir fry. Stir frying meat. Raw meat is generally the first thing that goes into the wok. We want to sear it, brown it, to develop flavor. Also, if we add raw meat after the vegetables, it just won't cook properly. There is a risk of overcooking meat in a stir-fry due to the risk, and due to this risk, it is common to sear the meat and then remove it from the wok. Once the vegetables are stir-fried, the meat is added back in. This does help to ensure that the meat isn't overcooked, but it also adds an extra step. The other option in preventing the meat from overcooking is only to slightly sear it and then add the vegetables in. This way the meat finishes cooking with the vegetables. It is slightly higher risk in terms of overcooking, but you eliminate that extra step of removing the meat and then adding it back in. Either process you choose uh, to follow, the meat goes in first. Cooked meat. I want to clarify that sometimes, as is the case with many North American Chinese food dishes, the meat is deep fried prior to being stir fried with the vegetables and the sauce. In this case, the meat is the last item to go into the wok. It is only tossed with the sauce and then served. Vegetables. Uh, in a few minutes, we're going to get into how to properly use a wok. And with that in mind, I don't want to go too deep into adding ingredients and stages here. But having said that, I do need to mention it. Just know that we'll look at it in a little more depth a little further on. Keeping vegetables crisp. Now, when we stir fry, it's important that we don't cool the wok down too much. The way to prevent this is to add the ingredients in stages. Typically, we would add onions first, followed by firmer vegetables like carrots and celery, and then finish up with softer, wetter vegetables like bean sprouts. Now, there are two main things to keep in mind here. Maintaining the heat of the wok and the cooking times of each vegetable. Maintaining the heat of, wok, heat of the wok is paramount. It is the most important thing to keep in mind when stir-frying. Secondly is the cooking times of the vegetables and other ingredients. As I said, we'll look at wok cooking in a minute, so let's first look at vegetable cooking times. Something to keep in mind here is that one of the key attributes of a good stir-fry is crisp vegetables. We are trying to soften the vegetables in the same way we do when uh, serving them with a roast or pork chops. We want the vegetables to essentially be undercooked. This is really important. So let's say that we are cooking beef and vegetable stir-fry. The ingredients are beef, onion, carrot, celery, broccoli, and bean sprouts. The process for making it would go as follows. Heat the wok, add the oil, sear the beef, add onions and cook for about a minute or two. Next, carrot and celery and cook for a minute or two. Then the broccoli and cook for two to three minutes and bean sprouts cook for one to two minutes. Eat. Notice that we have to give the ingredients time to cook and the wok time to heat back up. We also have to be mindful not to overcrowd the wok. Overcrowding will cause the wok to cool down too much. And again, we will get into this shortly, but if we had a big commercial wok set over a giant flame, we could add the onion, carrot, celery, and broccoli all at the same time. But cooking at home doesn't work the same way. Cutting the vegetables for a stir-fry. One final thing to keep in mind is that when we cut vegetables for a stir-fry, it's important to make them all around the same size. We want things cut thin and evenly. This will allow everything to be cooked evenly and quickly. Cooking oils. There are two types of cooking oils that are generally used for stir-frying. Neutral oils that are used purely for cooking, and oils that are used for flavor. Neutral oils. 
Neutral oils are those that have very little to no flavor. These include canola, sunflower, peanuts, safflower, and others. For stir-frying, I generally use canola oil as it is what I usually have on hand. It has a high smoke point, as do the other oils I listed, which make them all perfect for using in a stir-fry. Ideally, our wok will be very, very hot, so we need the oils that will stand up to that heat. Flavored oils. There's only really two types of flavored oil that I can think of that we might use to make a stir-fry. Sesame oil and chili oil. Sesame oil is made from sesame seeds. It comes either toasted or not toasted. Uh, and is pretty strong. Generally, if I'm using sesame oil in this application, I use the not toasted stuff. I also usually usually um, use it along with canola rather than just on its own. Chili oil is just oil that has been flavored with chili. Usually it's made of canola oil, so it can be used in the same way. But generally you would add it at the end as a flavoring. Okay, it's time for us to talk about how to properly use a wok. But first, what is a wok and should you have one? A wok is a traditional Chinese cooking pan, most commonly with a rounded bottom. Today, flat bottom woks are common as well and work best with electric stoves. Both of my woks are flat bottomed. Woks have high sides that allow food to be tossed and caught easily. These high sides are also useful for momentarily removing food items from direct heat while cooking something else. Should you have a wok? Now, whether you should have a wok or not really depends on how often you would use it. If you're the kind of person who doesn't really like stir-fries, then you probably don't need or want one. On the flip side of that, if you're the kind of person who would use it once or twice a week, then yes, you should have one. Woks are a useful and versatile tool. I use mine at least once a week, usually more. They also have all kinds of benefits, like that they are more, they more evenly heat than regular pans, they require less oil, uh, and because of the high sides, they generally make less of a mess. Now, if you think you would use it, then yes, you should have a wok. If you don't, then you probably shouldn't. It's pretty straightforward. Using a wok. Woks are best used over high heat. The whole idea of a stir-fry is that it is done very quickly in a very hot wok. This high heat is what keeps vegetables crisp. This is also why we should add ingredients and stages. Think about it this way. When we stir-fry properly, there is generally a lot of steam coming off the wok. This is moisture that is coming out of our ingredients and evaporating when it hits the hot surface of the wok. If the wok isn't hot enough because we didn't heat it properly or because we overcrowded it, that moisture won't evaporate. It will pool in the bottom of the wok, and this will further cool the wok down, causing more liquid to pool. This boils our ingredients and leaves them soggy and gross. The simple way to prevent this is to make sure the wok is very, very hot before adding any ingredients. Also, add the ingredients in stages. Wait until the temperature rises back up and then add your next ingredient or a few ingredients. Using the sides of a wok. It is called stir-fry for a reason. Due to the high temperature of the wok, foods can burn quickly. This is why we want to keep things moving. We don't typically want to let foods just sit in the bottom of the wok for more than a few seconds. Use the sides of the wok to push foods up with a spoon or spatula and then turn them back on the cooking surface. Uh, we can also use the sides of the wok to toss foods. This takes a bit of practice, but is well worth it. Also, if we notice that the temperature of the wok is starting to lower, we can push, push foods up onto the sides of the wok and let them sit until the temperature returns. Flavoring. Stir-fry flavorings may include ingredients like ginger, garlic, chili, lemongrass. Other ingredients may also be used like soy sauce, chili sauce, sesame oil, chili oil, hoisin sauce, fish sauce, citrus, vinegar, and so on. 
really there isn't much of a limit, if any, to what can be used to flavor a stir-fry. It really just comes down to the type of stir-fry that you're making. Ingredients like ginger and garlic and chili should be stir-fried with the first or second addition of ingredients into the wok. Uh, liquid ingredients should be added last. Stir-fry sauces. When walking through the sauce section of the grocery store, it is easy to become overwhelmed. There are hundreds of stir-fry sauces. So many, in fact, that it must be impossible to make them at home. Luckily, that just isn't true. The vast majority of those stir-fry sauces that we see in the grocery store can be recreated with ingredients you likely already have on hand. The most common ingredients in those uh, store-bought sauces are soy sauce, sugar, and cornstarch mixed with a bit of water. To this, the flavorings are added. Just like with our stir-fry flavorings, they can include just about anything. A good stir-fry sauce example is orange chicken sauce. The ingredients are pretty straightforward. Soy sauce, sugar, cornstarch mixed with a bit of water. And to this orange juice and zest is added along with a touch of vinegar, uh, garlic, and chili. That's about it. This can be cooked separately and then added to the stir-fry or quickly cooked right in. The point is that even the quote-unquote complex stir-fry sauces aren't complex, and we can easily find a recipe for any type of sauce that we want online. This will be cheaper and better than any store-bought sauce, and will most likely uh, just take seconds to put together. Conclusion Stir-frying is a great technique to master. It takes time and practice just like anything else, but the end result is quicker, healthier food. How can you possibly go wrong? that is today's post thank you as always for listening i'm chef ben and this is food and five brought to you by howdnotburnshit.com your modern culinary manual you can follow me on instagram and twitter at chef ben kelly and on facebook at ben kelly cooks and of course you can like and subscribe to the podcast you can even tell your friends about it if you wanted to uh, i'll be back tomorrow with another fantastic episode of food and five tomorrow's brief history day so look for that other than that have a great wednesday everybody I know I'm going to, and again, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, you know, shoot me a line on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere because I would love to hear from you. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon.